DIY Loop, or Omnipod 5? This is a question I've been weighing for some time now. For two years, I've been using Omnipod Dash Pods with DIY Loop, a system not cleared by the FDA. It's an automated insulin delivery system with some unique features. I wanted to understand the differences between my system and the FDA cleared Omnipod 5. Should I make the switch? Should you consider Omnipod 5 or should you go rogue and use DIY Loop? Let's figure it out together on today's episode. Welcome to Diabetech. I'm Justin, and on here I talk all things diabetes tech, news, and management with industry leaders, diabetes educators, and those thriving with diabetes. To help me investigate the differences between these two systems, I spoke with John Fawcett. He's the creator of the SugarPixel CGM reading display. There's one behind me if you're watching on YouTube. John has played a role in patch updates for Loop, and his daughter has used both DIY Loop and Omnipod 5. I was referred to him to speak on the matter because he is a pro in this area. If you want to check out his device, SugarPixel, which I absolutely love, I've got a link down in the show notes, uh, and it helps me out. It helps support the show when you use that link. Keep in mind that anything you hear on this podcast or content on my social media and YouTube channel is not medical advice. Always consult with your physician before making changes to your healthcare. Today's episode is sponsored by Omnipod, but in no way does that affect the questions I ask or the opinions that I have. John, thank you so much for coming back on the show. Thanks for having me, Justin. Of course. So today's topic is very interesting. I haven't used Omnipod 5, but I've been using Omnipod for two years now. I started on the Eros pod, uh, just kind of manually bolusing, and then I got on Loop a few months later, DIY Loop, and I've been using that for two years now. Now I use it with Omnipod Dash Pods, but I'm considering Omnipod 5. I have been considering it for a while, uh, and I'm considering it even more because of the iPhone app that will be coming that way I don't have to have a PDM. Why would you say it's worth having even the conversation comparing DIY Loop and Omnipod 5? Well, so when DIY Loop came out, I mean, it's been years and years and years now, there wasn't anything remotely close from any commercial companies. They were all still just like you had with uh, Eros, you know, you have a PDM and your bolus and your basil is what it is. In those last, you know, almost decade now, the commercial systems have gotten algorithms in their pump so that they're running much more similar to what Loop does. And that's why I think now is an appropriate time to start having that discussion, whether it be, you know, comparing to Omnipod 5 or the other systems out there from Tandem and Beta Bionics and even Medtronic now. With Tidepool Loop having FDA clearance, like it... Tidepool Loop is based off of DIY Loop. DIY Loop's not FDA cleared. Is Tidepool Loop the same algorithm as DIY Loop? Uh, the last I checked, yes. Underlying, it is identical. There might be some slight differences in DIY, especially if you apply some of the patches uh, that can tweak the functionality. But uh, at a base level, it's essentially running the same underlying code. 
Okay. And I guess even with what you're saying, like that is almost why there may be a small advantage to DIY loop because loopers don't need to wait for FDA clearance to get new features and upgrades. Uh, And we'll get into that in a bit. But first, let's explain to everyone who doesn't know what DIY loop is and how it works differently than cleared systems on the market. DIY loop is a build it yourself is DIY do it yourself. You build the app on your smartphone uh, in the past. And if you're using Eros pods, you may even have to have a separate hardware device that allows the communication between your phone and the older Omnipods that didn't have Bluetooth. You find the code online, you're responsible for learning how to build the code if you want to modify the code and then even running it in full setup. So you don't have necessarily a trainer at your endocrinologist that's going to talk you through how to set it up. There's Facebook groups, Discord, Telegram, all of those where you're going to have to go find that information on your own. So it's not necessarily for the person that just wants to, you know, install their pump and have somebody teach them how to use it and then away they go without ever thinking about it again. Now, what are the advantages to the DIY loop algorithm? That's a tough one. Uh, so <laughs> to, to clarify, we're going to talk today, I'm assuming, just about Loop with a capital L, the iPhone Loop app um, from, you know, if you go to loopdocs.org. That sort of looping as a terminology can also apply to Android APS. There's a new iAPS, which is an iPhone version similar to that. But just about the loop algorithm itself, capital L loop. They, the um, advantages used to be that the algorithm did things that no other pump out there could do. Um, over the years, like I mentioned, the commercial system started putting those things in place. And at this point today, the the single biggest benefit is that you can set your targets not restricted to what the FDA tells you to. So you can set a target lower than you can on Omnipod 5, for instance. And by target, what I mean is you're going to tell this algorithm, try to always get my blood glucose to end up at 100 or 90. So it's not always going to get you there. Sometimes it'll go past it. Sometimes you'll stay higher. But the biggest benefit to loop are people that want to have tighter control and, for instance, try to achieve a 90 blood glucose average where Omnipod 5 only lets you set it to 110 at the lowest. Yeah, I have my DIY loop set to, I believe, a target range of like 85 to 100 when I'm sleeping because I know that that almost is like a safe time for me to have that set um, and have it be that low because I'm not like eating it all. So it's just going to kind of like say stay steady there, which I like. And with Tide Pool Loop, the cleared version that could be coming in the future, that the lowest target range with that is 87 milligrams per deciliter. So that is a a large advantage um, and probably could keep you in just a tighter range at certain times, which is which is great. Now, with Omnipod 5, though, what would be the the benefits or the advantages to using Omnipod 5? Let's start with like, what are the advantages of using it over DIY loop? 
my first comment on that is actually the same thing about target. So Omnipod 5 only allows you to set a lowest target of 110. Um, if you do the math on that, a 110, and I'll say it again, all the numbers I'm going to say today are milligrams per deciliter. So you can divide these by 18 if you're using uh, MMOL. So 110, doing the math, is a 5.2 A1C if that's your average. Um, and I know very, very few people that actually achieve a 5.2 A1C. For that matter, very few that achieve under a 5.5. So in comparing the two systems, you don't only need to compare, um, you know, what's the target? What can I do on this setting versus this setting between the two systems? Because if Luke can get you closer to that target more often, you can achieve very, very low, uh, you know, under 5.5 A1Cs. Well, if Omnipod 5 can get you to that target as your average, you're going to achieve the same thing. So on the surface, there's not really, you know, there's not really an advantage versus on one or another pros and cons on one or another, because it comes down to your lifestyle, how you eat, how you bolus, you know, how much you pre-bolus and all the other things that go into that. So with that said, we're kind of looking at this from a, a um, large scale thing, ignoring the individuality of your diabetes may vary between one versus the other. Um, with that said, my daughter Lily is almost 18 and these are our specific advantages between uh, Omnipod 5 and Loop. Uh, taking into account, she's a almost 18 year old that doesn't like to look at her blood glucose every five minutes like parents do uh, with the younger kids. Um, sometimes doesn't like to pre-bolus if she's out with friends and, you know, here comes dinner that you just ordered. So our benefits are drastically reduced mental burden and manual interventions. So mental burden, basically how many times a day do any of us think about diabetes? That's dropped for us from Loop to Omnipod 5 by about 80 to 90%. So wow. in other words, on Loop, if we thought about diabetes in any way, shape, or form, whether that be looking at the BG reading intentionally, you know, looking at the BG reading, checking the follow app, her, um, you know, looking to see if she needed to add more to a dose, whatever. If Loop was 100, Omnipod 5 is 10. That's how drastic it's been for us. And the second uh, major piece to it was the on-body algorithm. And what I mean by that is the Omnipod 5 directly talking to the Dexcom transmitter on her body without having a phone or a PDM with you. So she plays high school sports. And when she is out on the field, our biggest problem with loop was that she's no longer looping. It's just running basal straight and that's it. Uh, thankfully, my daughter tends to go high with sports. So we didn't have very many like urgent low or low situations from being disconnected, but she would come off the field and she'd be 300 and needed, you know, five units should have been dosing her. Now with Omnipod 5, she has the benefit that it's still dosing. She's running around the field. We don't know what her reading is, but we can trust that the system is actually still running the algorithm. 
those are the two biggest benefits to Omnipod 5 versus Loop uh, for our situation specifically. I mean, that is huge. Uh, I like the idea of less of a mental burden of diabetes for a lot of people. And I have to say the one thing that has definitely intrigued me the most about Omnipod 5 would be the direct connection between CGM and pump. Whereas with Loop, <clears throat> the two devices actually connect to an, a phone and then the phone does all of the dosing. With Omnipod 5, your pump has that onboard brain that can work with your CGM. Currently, it only works with the G6, whereas Loop works with the G7, which is <laughs> great. And also, an issue that I have with Loop right now is with the G7 specifically, connection's not great over Bluetooth. So I no longer can leave my phone in my room and go into my living room uh, wearing the G7, which has been a major disappointment for me because I don't want to be by my phone all the time. I specifically leave my phone in my room so that I don't look at it. And the fact that I can't do that and I have to bring my phone and have it out near me now has been not fun. And I, I can only imagine the G7 connection uh, issues won't really be as much a thing because it would be near the pump for, for FDA cleared systems. But I do think that that's something that they should they should work on because, you yeah. know, it could it could still I still have issues sometimes when my phone is in my pocket with connection. So. Uh, one thing, one thing to, yeah. to chime in on that that I find really interesting, <clears throat> I, I never thought of this before, is a lot of people, I've heard the complaint of they don't want to carry, you know, their iPhone, but they don't want to carry that separate controller around. Um, well, you just made the point of your iPhone and you're forced to carry your iPhone around to keep that connection. So it's not that different because you don't, need the PDM for the Omnipod 5 unless you're actually manually dosing. So for my daughter, that just stays in her purse and it's there and she only pulls it out when she needs to dose or at home, it's usually sitting on the kitchen counter and she's going about doing whatever she wants without having to carry it around. So there's, you know, there's something to be said for both ways is both systems, you're having to keep this device really close to you. Um, the difference with Omnipod 5 is you only need it when you're dosing. Yeah, and also when the iPhone app comes out for Omnipod 5, and there's already an Android app on some phones, that will allow me to leave my phone in my room, only go get my phone when I'm going to bolus, drop my phone again in my room, and then if I have an Apple Watch on, I can see my numbers if I really need to. But I've also made – I haven't worn my Apple Watch in three weeks, and it's changed – the amount of time diabetes uh, is in my my brain, especially outside of work hours. Um, and yeah. I think it's one of the best decisions I've made. Um, and I, I love the Apple Watch, but I felt this sense of freedom not wearing it, uh, even from just text messages and not getting wrapped into text messages or, or whatever. Um, so that's something that I don't know if I'm really going to return to the Apple Watch anytime soon. It's just been sitting by my bed on its charging dock um, for three weeks, <laughs> and and well, I'm totally okay with it. <laughs> yeah, that's a huge thing that's been on my mind lately. You know, with a a kid who is transitioning to be an adult, uh, my concern 
with loop and one of the one of the deciding factors on having a switch was just this overwhelming every second of the day you know you're looking at your apple watch what's my reading you have it on your face you know i don't know how many posts i've seen with this ios or watch os 10 issue of not updating the calendar so if people's sugar mate readings or loop follow readings that were on the calendar are not there every five minutes um, I actually find it freeing to not have to constantly be checking numbers anymore uh, with my daughter. And my concern with her was, as she becomes an adult, was just burnout of, as parents, we were so over the top looking at, looking at her numbers every five minutes. You know, do we add an override for loop? Do we need to edit carb entry, add more carbs? You know, you had a high override, then you're, oops, too much, have to add a low override. Um, eliminating that meant we eliminated it from her life also, so that I'm much less fearful of her having burnout as she's becoming independent. And she's 99.9% .9 independent right now with it. That's That's fantastic. Let's get back into the algorithm, specifically for DIY loop. Is there anything that it struggles with? Anything that makes it tick? Yes, and I think the whole thing can be boiled down to diabetes in general. There are a million variables. Uh, everything from, not, you know, we, we look at, let me start by saying what we look at and what Loop looks at. Carbs, basil, and um, yeah, that's it. <laughs> everything else is based on one of those two. Um, so even, even ISF, insulin sensitivity factor, other systems call it correction factor. You know, if I'm 200 and want to go to 100, how many units do I take? Even that is sort of the inverse of carbs. You, you have um, carbs and glucose pushing BG up and insulin pushing BG down, and that's all you have. So Loop has only a handful of settings that is trying to account for a million variables in the day. Are you sick? Did you exercise more today than you did yesterday? Did you watch an extra episode on Netflix? So you're a little, you know, less exercise. Um, is it slightly warmer? You know, is your, what's your skin temperature? Uh, and that was a new one I learned a few months ago. Skin temperature can affect um, the insulin absorption. It's all of these millions of variables that change it to where if you try to track just three and you can only tweak these three settings um, and you're treating that as black and white, exactly how much insulin do you need added or exactly how much insulin do you need removed, you're going to fail a lot. The algorithm, let me say that, the algorithm is going to fail a lot. And what it's going to do is it's either going to leave you stuck on high uh, because it's thinking you're going to crash when you're not, or you're going to be stuck on low, or you're going to be bouncing back and forth. And so I think a lot of people uh, struggle with the loop from the sense of they, other than when they're not eating and they're sleeping, they can't get just this nice flat even line they spike too easily and then get stuck in a plateau or they go up and crash and all of that i kind of boil down to loop places so much emphasis on carbs and all of your settings being 
dead on exact that when anything sort of gets outside of that being exact, it has a failing. I hope that made sense. It was a long way around that. Yeah. Um, I'll boil it down into sort of one sort of summary sentence is it's using exact math without knowing all the variables that go into that math. And so your, your result of that math is nine times out of 10 going to be incorrect. Yeah. It's, it's interesting for the most part, I feel like with DIY loop, I have had a great experience but lately I have been having where like I go up and then I'm stuck um, and I was sick. So that definitely had an impact on it. I'm sure my, my skin was definitely warmer. I actually have been dealing with like a long COVID, like low grade fevers all the time. So Ugh. I'm sure that doesn't help. That's been tough. Um, <clears throat> but I feel like there's some learning for me to do with DIY loop, even though my percent and range is always above 83% you know, for the 90 days, I still feel like there's a lot of room for me to improve. And there is like a mental impact on me um, when I have bad days, which is why I'm not wearing my Apple watch. Now, would you say that what's the machine learning for DIY loop? Is the Omnipod 5 better at learning who you are and adapting and getting better at controlling your sugar levels. Does DIY loop have that? No, neither, neither system has any form of learning. Um, and I specifically use the word learning because Omnipod five people use the term learning, but it's not learning. So I'll start with loop loop is specifically what are your settings? If, if you say that you need one unit of basal per hour, Anything that it adds over that or removes from that, it always thinks you need to get back to that one unit per hour. So if it if it removes insulin, for instance, you're lower overnight, it's going to assume however much it removed, it needs added back. It is black and white. Here's exactly how much insulin you need. Um, here's how much you need per gram of carbs. There's no learning on that whatsoever. With Omnipod 5, there's history, but not learning. So the history is it tracks midnight to midnight total daily insulin, TDI. And every pod change it uses or it it remembers uh, the TDI per day of that pod. And it's going to always store the last three to four pods of TDI. And then it just uses a weighted algorithm of, you know, sort of weighted average, I mean. So the most recent total daily insulin usage carries the most weight. The one three to four pods old carries the least amount of weight in the average. And that's where the basal comes from. So it's take that number divided mm-hmm. by 48. That's what Omnipod 5 assumes your basal is. So I say it's not learning because over time that's going to shift. That's going to vary. And it depends on your situation, you know, is, is what's your activity level? Is that consistent? Are you a kid going through puberty? You know, all of those things are going to change that over time. But Omnipod 5 is just looking at the last, essentially the last one to two weeks worth of total daily insulin. So if you get sick 
and you need either a lot more or a lot less insulin, that could actually mess up the next couple of pods before it gets back on track. Um, but it's not really learning. A quick word from today's sponsor, Omnipod. When I was first diagnosed with type 1 diabetes, one of my biggest fears was wearing an insulin pump and what that would look like. My fears were totally diminished once I started wearing Omnipod. Omnipod is a tubeless insulin pump that could be worn almost anywhere you'd give yourself an injection. What I love most is that I forget I'm wearing it. I never have to worry about disconnecting it for showers or swimming, and when I play kickball or go running, it's super secure. Even better, with Omnipod 5, you get automated insulin delivery by connecting it to a CGM. Omnipod 5 uses CGM trend and value to predict your glucose 60 minutes into the future and makes adjustments to your insulin delivery. If you want to try out Omnipod 5 yourself, you may be eligible for a trial. To check your eligibility and for full safety information and instructions for use, visit omnipod.com diabetic or click the link in today's show notes. All right, back to the show. You know, people say that we're reaching a limit. We're coming very close to reaching a limit of automated insulin delivery systems like Omnipod 5, DIY loop, tandems, control IQ. All of these will someday hit a wall where they can't get any better um, unless there's insulin innovation. But what it sounds like to me is there is room for uh, for artificial intelligence, AI, to play a huge role in learning and adapting, especially if we're putting in more information, which maybe these companies don't want us to be like, I had pizza from this restaurant, but there are apps out there <clears throat> currently. There's Gluru, which you can scan barcodes, you can plug in the type of food you're eating. There's another one coming um, that I'm going to be testing out. I'm not sure if I can really talk about the name, but they're they're basically going to have it where you walk into the same restaurant and it sends you notification saying, this is what you got last time, this is what you did, and this is what happened to help you learn. But I can see a future where one day our pumps have this information and artificial intelligence you know, helps us be smarter about it. That's not far off right now. AI is doing a lot. It really doesn't seem that far away. Do you do you think pump companies like do you think A that this will could revolutionize AID systems? And B, do you think that pump companies are working on that? Um I, I would tend to think all of them are working on something along that. Uh machine learning, neural network AI, whatever you want to call it. Um I'm not sure to what degree. And I also am not sure, you know, depending on the approach that they take. So, you know, you mentioned uh, going into a restaurant, it tells you what you had, what happened last time, all that type of thing. Um, so there's been some interesting studies. And I, I personally think the biggest problem with pretty much all the systems today is relying too much on carb counting. Uh, and the, you know, loop, that's especially true because loop carbs are black and white. If, if it doesn't think you have carbs on board, even if you're 250 and have a lot of insulin, it's going to keep you there. It's going to think you're going to crash with that amount of insulin. Um, and the reason I think that's a sort of the wrong approach is the, there's been a bunch of studies and I'm pulling this out of memory. It's been about six months or eight months since I've actually read through them, but um, they were 
absolutely mind-boggling for how poor humans are at actually counting carbs. So one of them that I remember was like an apple and they asked people to estimate the carbs in the apple and the average was off by like 40% of the carb count, 40%. So that's, that's meaning is your apple 20 carbs, 15 carbs, 20, not even 50, 20 carbs, like 11 carbs or 32 carbs. Well, I don't know about you, but with my daughter, that's like three unit difference either way. You know, are you going to take two units or six units? Well, if she takes two units, she could be stuck on high. If she takes six, she could crash. And across the board with these, um, every single study showed that we as human beings basically can't count carbs. And it's not all our fault. Um, you know, some of it's just impossible, like fruit, for instance, the slight changes in the size of the fruit can vary it pretty drastically. Um, you know, even the, the amount of sugars in a single piece of fruit can change based on how it was grown, you know, how much sunlight it got. Million variables is basically, it's back to that. Go ahead. Well, and even like a banana, right? Don't they say bananas get, the more ripe they are, the more like sugary they get so i've considered that when i have a softer banana that's like way more ripe i'm like this definitely has more carbs than it did you know four days ago i could be wrong about that but it, it from what i've been told i feel i feel like it would one of the biggest um reasons our mental load and manual interventions went down on omnipod 5 is because it doesn't track carbs you enter carbs but it's just a simple bolus calculator it's just saying, you know, I have 30 carbs and my, what's my ratio? Here's how much insulin to take. Um, but once you actually dose for that, it's relying solely on your blood glucose, the trend and how much insulin's on board. So with loop by comparison, Loop's saying you entered 30 carbs, you ate 30 carbs, and it's not gonna adjust very much outside of that range. You know, so it doesn't know if your carb count was off by 50% or not. Uh, and that's why mm -hmm. with Loop, we were a lot of times going back and editing carbs in the past, adding or re removing um, in the past. So basically to trick the algorithm into doing what my brain knew was going to happen. And I'm sure you've probably done the same thing. You look at it, you're like, I know I'm going to sit here at 200 unless I add more carbs in to force the system to think where I'm going to be is actually where I know I'm going to be. And part of that is just, you know, our brains have processed all of these millions of data points. Um, I mean, that's why some of this machine learning stuff is called a neural network because it tries to work more like your brain does. And so we've processed these millions of data points and can look at all the information, not really know why, but know, I need to dose more or, you know, I'm dropping at a rate where I should have carbs now. And I don't think it's going to be, I don't think it's going to be quick for any of these pump companies or even DIY to get to the point where they can sort of replicate that um, without massive amounts of additional data, you know, pulling steps, heart rate, you know, calorie burn, all of that out of your Apple watch and, sleep tracking and all of those things are just the start of it.
do users need to bolus differently for these two different systems? Yes. Uh, so Lily's carb ratio uh, between Loop and Omnipod 5 increased by 25 to 30% stronger. So it dropped from like, I think she was seven or seven and a half on Loop. And she's now, I think she might even be at four and a half on Omnipod 5. And the biggest reason is um, Omnipod 5 reacts differently to a um, bolus than Loop does. So Loop knows there's carbs coming into there. And this is the one benefit that Loop has in this specific scenario. Loop knows there's carbs because you've told it there's carbs with this bolus. So it's gonna be less likely to immediately cut basil when you do that bolus. Whereas Omnipod 5 will cut basil because all of a sudden you have you know six more units on board from this bolus. So it's gonna cut basil. So you can sort of think of it as you're dosing for not only your food, but you're also dosing for like the next hour of basil because it's going to reduce your basil over that time as well. When it comes to you, you were telling me uh, prior to this interview that there is a difference in the DIA, which is the duration of insulin action. Can you kind of explain that to me, the difference between these two systems? DIA is duration of insulin action. That's what it stands for. It's essentially how long is insulin active in your body um, working to bring down your blood sugar. And loop has always been um, really reliant on the actual curves. So it's, it's a curve. It's, it's, um, you know, greatest from like one to four hours. And then the last two hours is really down low, but there's still some insulin working. The traditional pumps have always used a straight line. So the difference, if you, if you have a, uh, like a bell curve, for instance, and you draw a straight line from the peak down to the bottom, that straight line is never going to match up to the actual curve. So insulin in all clinical trials, when this is um, talking about humalog, novolog, essentially, insulin is the same. The action time is the same. It doesn't vary person to person. It doesn't change when you're young versus when you're old. Insulin is insulin and everybody's body processes it basically the same. And that's essentially right around six hours. But the problem is drawing the straight line across that, like traditional pumps used. So all of the tr traditional pumps, it basically just treated it as this straight, even drop hour to hour to hour. And so if you shift it from four hours to three hours or four hours to five hours, you're, you actually don't even know how much insulin you have on board based on what your pump's telling you because it's not tracking that same curve. So with loop, you pretty much don't have to worry about it because it's built in for this six hour duration of insulin curve. With Omnipod 5, it's really, really screwy. Um, so the IOB display is a mashup of what the system has added or removed from what it thinks your basal is. So it thinks your basal, if you I go back to the earlier comment, total daily insulin divided by 48, that'll give you a pretty close approximation to what the system is treating as your calculated basal rate. So 
it has this calculated basal rate. The system's automatically adding or removing from it. Those additions add to your IOB. The subtractions, um, I wouldn't say they remove IOB, but they offset um, IOB. And, IOB, so IOB uh, is insulin on board for everyone listening. Insulin on board. Insulin that has already been injected into your body and is working. Um, and so the, the mashup is that which relies on an internal duration of insulin ac action. And uh, insulin won't share the specifics with me, but um, I'm pretty sure that it is using pretty close to the six hour actual curve from the clinical trials. Um, I'm pretty sure that it's actually using something either that or very close to that. So it's a mashup of that plus manual doses and the manual doses it actually is using the user settable DIA, which is a straight line, not the curve. So you have this weird combination of the automated dosing calculations plus the manual dosing calculations relying on different duration of insulin. If you, uh, if you strike a straight line on the actual curve, my personal thought is that four hours of DIA in the manual setting is the most accurate. It matches the curve for most of those four hours. Uh, and then at the end of those four hours between hour four and six, you have about 10 to 20% of the insulin is actually still working. But the problem is if you make it longer to six hours, between hours five and six, it thinks you have, you know, 40% of insulin when you actually may only have 10% of insulin, if that makes sense. Um, it's just how you draw that line across the curve. On the flip side, I've seen a lot of people say they set the DIA to two hours or two and a half hours. And if you do that, if you actually look at the line, at the two hour mark when the Omnipod system would tell you you have zero insulin on board from the manual bolus, you actually still have 50% of that dose still active in your system. So for starters, users on Lube can pretty much rely on IOB to make decisions. If you're high and it says you have still have IOB, you can pretty much assume that's pretty darn close to accurate. Users on Omnipod 5, um, personally, I treat it as a range. Um, so like Lily's uh, average meal dose is going to be 5 to 10 units for a typical meal. Um, and so if she has one unit of insulin on board, I'm not even going to, I may ignore it. Um, because I don't even know. It could be zero or it could be three. I really don't know uh, because of how it does this mashup. So I look at it purely from the standpoint, if she's taking a correction, well, does she have five units on board or does she have eight or 10 units on board to make a decision about that correction? And sort of with that tied together is, thankfully, Omnipod 5 does a really, really good job at preventing lows. Um, so that I've found she can be off by a unit or two and it can still stop most of those lows uh, from accidentally, you know, overestimating or un uh, underestimating. 
um, either what the IOB was or how much to give on a correction dose. That's interesting. I have really come to rely on that IOB screen on the DIY loop app where like if I'm going to work out <clears throat> where if, if I'm going to work out and I see that there's only like 0.3 units, um, I feel super comfortable. You know, I, I throw up a target range and I'm like, I have like no insulin on board. So that's fine. Whereas Omnipod five, that would make me a little uncomfortable not knowing that it's not exact. Um, I've just become so accustomed to having that accurate information. One more comment about that is um, I found less and less that I, I actually don't even know the last time I looked at that. Now, granted, she's, you know, 99% handling things on her own. So I don't have a reason to look at it a lot. But if she's been high for a while, and I do take a look at it, I don't really look at what the IOB is. I look at what are the recent doses? So has it been automatically dosing, you know, 0.1 or 0.4 every five minutes for the last hour? Or has it had basal shut off? I rely on those more so than IOB now. And with activity specifically, like you mentioned, it does such a good job at preventing lows that I don't think she even looks really at IOB before going out and doing sports, she'll intentionally, you know, maybe dose a little less if she's going out to play a game. Um, but I don't think she really watches it all that much because it does a good job at stopping the lows. Yeah, that makes sense. And I, I think that ultimately, like, I'm just so into the data. So I get, I overanalyze it. Um, but ultimately we don't want people needing to do that. I don't want to have to need to do that. So that's, that's why I am intrigued by Omnipod five. Now as a looper, I'm a little apprehensive about switching over. I, I want to try it out. What have you heard from loopers that have switched to Omnipod 5? I know there are some that don't like it. They go right back. But are there, is there a majority of people that like Omnipod 5 and are like, hey, I have to think less. I don't have to build this thing every year. What has been the reaction from the DIY community? It's split. Uh, it's anecdotal just from my memory, but half hate it, half love it. It's something to be said about switching from any system to another system. I, I tell people there's no such thing as empirical settings. And what I mean by that is your basal on MDI is going to be different than your basal on Omnipod 5. And that's going to be different than your basal on loop. Same thing with carb ratios. It's going to be different on all three systems. So you can't take just what you're using in loop and put it in Omnipod 5 and expect it to work. I mentioned... Lily's carb ratio had to be 25 or 30% stronger on Omnipod 5. And that's purely because the algorithm is treating things differently than Loop's algorithm. Um, with MDI, the, the biggest thing I've seen people transitioning over to uh, Omnipod 5, well, M not even just MDI, MDI or a non-algorithm pump, is I think a majority of the people are dosing probably at least 25% of their carbs with basil. So you're running a stronger basil uh, and that is covering some of your up to, I think a lot of people is 25%. And I've seen some that's even more. Uh, that gets even more true with low carb people because when you're low carb, uh, your body's essentially your, your first glucose comes from carbs, then your second glucose 
comes from protein and then the third comes from fat. You know, this is basically, I look at it normally as a first couple of hours is carbs. Around hour four is protein and six plus is fat. Well, when you're low carb, it's easy to cover protein and fat glucose generation from basil because it's so slow that your basil is just this nice steady drip. The people that have switched um, to loot or sorry to Omnipod Five and hated it. Most of them that I've talked to, they just needed to. You, you need to change your mindset about how Loop runs versus how Omnipod Five runs, and that goes for. You need to start by changing your settings. You need to potentially do a reset after pod two or three to wipe out what it thought was the TDI and start with a different basal rate. So if you start and you notice by pod two or three, you're running super high, um, you could consider doing a restart with a, a higher starting basal or even the same basal, but a more aggressive carb ratio. Um, on the flip side, if you start and you're running really low, you might need to do a reset with a lower starting basal. Um, and a reset is just, you basically go into the controller of the app and you say, you know, reset this. And it essentially just wipes out that three to four pods worth of total daily insulin that it's storing to use for your calculated basal. Gotcha. That's great information for, <laughs> for me. So um, lots especially to unpack. Yeah, no, but that that's great. I'm going to like listen to that three times before I make a switch to Omnipod 5. One thing I hear, one critique I hear about Omnipod 5 is like the lack of an extended bolus, I believe. Um, and I know DIY Loop doesn't necessarily have an extended bolus, but it has like a custom food feature that you can like set based off of glycemic indexes of foods. The Omnipod 5 app for iPhone they say when it comes out, it will it will have a custom food feature. We don't know what that is, but what do you think um, Omnipod Five could do better with like higher fat foods, extended bolusing, and do you th and what do you think that that feature will look like based off of its needs? Uh, my daughter's a little unique circumstance here because she went from MDI, where you obviously don't have extended bolus, um, to one week on Omnipod Eros before she started looping. So she was looping a week after starting her first pump. We had never used extended bolus before switching to loop. So we learned based on the loop method. And I found that, you know, setting uh, longer carb time for the food didn't really work as nicely as it seemed like it would on paper. You know, when you read it, it sounds fabulous. But for us, it just, it didn't always work well enough to bring her down from that high from what you would consider using an extended bolus for. So our approach with Loop was basically to dose on the rise, which is what we were doing um, when she was MDI. We were basically sugar surfing on MDI. She wore an eye port. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Uh, it's basically a, a little circular, essentially a pump cannula, but it has a little hole to put a pen needle in and do an injection. So you, so even MDI, she was only essentially getting one shot every three days because she would put the eye port on. It inserts, um, I never used tandem, but 
so I can't compare to that, but like the, like the G7 or the Libre is you just push it and pop it down and it sticks and you're done. Um, so with MDI, we could dose, she, she wouldn't care about extra shots because it was just one shot every three days. So we were sugar surfing. We dosed when we saw the expected rise, um, you know, the four hour ish range for protein, the six plus for fat. And with loop, we did that same approach is the second she would start rising, you know, three hours or whatever after a high protein or high fat meal, we would start adding more car carbs in loop. You'd, we'd enter more carbs at that time. Does that make sense? How? We yeah, no, that so, does make sense. I mean, this is information that could help me. So question. So like, let's say a slice of pizza has 57 grams of carbs. You are going to give yourself insulin, you know, before you eat it. And then you're going to give insulin out on that rise are you splitting, like, what's the split in percentage? If you know the carb count, like that's my carb count for pizza, for a slice of pizza. What percentage should I give myself before I eat it? And what percentage should I give myself on the rise? Trial and error. But if you're coming from the, <laughs> if you're coming, I'm from like, the give me the answers. Tell me the key <laughs> yeah. to pizza, please. If you're, if you're, I would say for people coming from, um, a traditional extended bolus mentality is treat it sort of the same is, you know, how much do you want really front loaded versus back loaded? And that's would be my starting point for how much I dose up front versus later for loop. Um, that's tough because, you know, once you start getting into like five, six plus hours on that carb entry, I don't, it, it just seems to behave not like I would expect um, in those later hours. So I think you just have to try what you think would be most appropriate. Mm -hmm. And if you don't come down next time, do a little more front loaded and, you know, and shift the back end. Yeah. And that's where like tracking what your routines are comes into play, I think, with like using these apps that can, you know, be like the last time you came to this pizza place, you did this. Um, I think that that would really help me out. And there is like a DIY loop integration with these apps. And also with DIY loop, you can schedule in uh, carbs, I think up to four hours later. So that could be useful. You know, I give myself some carbs. And then I also at the same time when I'm logging those carbs, I put in an entry for three hours later with a certain amount of carbs. Maybe I'll start trying that out a little bit with like when I eat pizza or like chicken fingers and stuff. The dilemma yeah. with that though <clears throat> is fat and protein is not consistent. And if okay. you, I'm going to throw out a very, very geeky word now, um, but Everybody can Google. It's gluconeogenesis. It literally means glucose new creation. So it's it's your body's mechanism of converting fat and protein into glucose. Well, one of the problems with trying to pre-schedule that or saying, you know, what percentage of fat grams or protein grams should I dose as carbs? The problem is your body doesn't convert the same amount every time 
it's dependent on so if you have a very very low carb meal like even you know almost no carbs like a salad with chicken on it and that's it it's going to convert more of the protein than it would if you had a salad with chicken loaded with a carb heavy dressing on it so if you have a ton of carbs coming in your body doesn't necessarily need to convert as much protein and fat so scheduling i would just caution people on yeah. if you do add future carbs keep an eye on it still to make sure it's not too much or too little um, because your body's going to react going to convert a different amount of those um, every single time even if you are having the exact same meal it might not be the same because if you're if you just ran you know 10 miles and have that same meal versus you were sitting on the couch all day and had that same meal your body may convert different amounts based on your glucose or your glycogen stores so based off of this conversation i think it kind of went a different way than i expected with like kind of your like how much you like omnipod 5 and how well it works for you and your family what would kind of be your pitch to people who either a aren't on omnipod 5 they're on another system like medtronic tandem etc or someone who's on diy loop what would kind of be your pitch for like why they should consider omnipod 5 so my biggest realization uh once we switched to omnipod 5 was that and i well let me back up i had started down this road with loop realizing that there are a million variables going into everything with diabetes and there's no system that can possibly account for all of those variables today so when you know when we when we talk to people and somebody says i dose for the same meal why is it reacting entirely different well that's why because of all these millions of other variables um, and when we switched to omnipod 5 it really showed me that you can have a system that doesn't require you to be that fine tuned with everything you know i'm pretty sure i haven't looked recently but i'm pretty sure lily has basically three carb entries is it 15 30 or 60 that's it or increments of those like she's not gonna look at a package and say it's 30 versus 32 um, even though that's half a unit so the biggest pitch there for omnipod 5 is that it's more flexible with all of these variables that we can't take into account things behave differently every single day with diabetes and it's because of all these reasons so a system where you don't have to think about those things. If she's going high almost every single time, it will bring her down on its own. Unless it was some major, you know, like, oh, I completely forgot to dose for dinner. Uh, you know, I didn't dose at all for dinner. Yeah. Or different times a month, sicknesses, things like that, you know, steroid use. Obviously those can throw a monkey wrench into any system. But on the average day, the fact that it can take care of these discrepancies of 
doesn't matter if you enter 25 or 30 carbs. It's You might go a little higher, but it's going to bring you to back down. Or you might peak much lower than you expected, but it's going to still stop below. Uh, that is what translated into the drastically reduced mental burden. So that's my main takeaway from the entire system is it just reduces the need to even think about all of those little details. Okay. Last question. Do you think if Tide Pool Loop came out tomorrow and it supported Omnipod 5, Omnipod 5 a tubeless pump, would you and your daughter consider that? Or are you happy? That's a loaded question. Um, <laughs> so, Because it's not going to happen. <laughs> in an ideal world, this would be my ideal, my ideal system. And I think it should be feasible, but I don't know if anybody's working on it. I don't, so don't take this as, hey, somebody's in the DIY community is working on it because I have no clue. Okay. Um, it should be feasible to come up with a DIY solution that used Omnipod 5 to where you could be running the Loop app or Android APS or whatever, and essentially toggle, do I want the Omnipod 5 algorithm running on body, you know, device to device, or do I want the Loop app running the algorithm, or do I want it to be running fully manual? And I say it should be feasible because in one sense, flipping the Omnipod 5 to automated mode means it doesn't even need to communicate with the app unless you're bolusing. Flipping the Omnipod 5 to manual mode is essentially what Loop does with Dash and Eros already, is the app is the pod is manual, the Dash pod is fully manual, and the Loop app just sends essentially all of these manual commands on its own. So that would be my ideal. I don't see that happening anytime soon. Short of that, short of that, I don't see Lily switching back from Omnipod 5. And it's because she has, she's basically achieved, so with that, you know, 90% less mental burden and manual interventions. And by manual inter interventions, I don't just mean a correction dose or taking carbs for a low. I mean, Entering a bolus and then on loop, editing carbs, adding more carbs that you aren't actually eating, overrides, everything going into thinking about it. So I just don't see her switching back because even, you know, she has reduced the mental burden and all of that by 90% and basically had the same time in a range and the same A1C. And this is now almost a full year that she's been on Omnipod 5. And to add, this is really her A1C. This isn't her parents' A1C. And what I mean by that is with, with Loop, we were doing 90% of the work. Um, I mean, obviously she was dosing for all the meals, but we were constantly doing overrides, asking her to remove or add carbs, all of those types of things. With Omnipod 5, with she's now 99% independent, doing this entirely on her own without us doing anything. And she's achieving the same A1C that she did when her mom and I were both actively involved every single second of every day. And that to me is a big 
indicator of how good the system is, especially for her demographic. And, and that's something we hadn't talked about is I see benefits to both Loop and Omnipod 5 that might gear themselves more towards certain people versus others. Um, active kids, kids that are transitioning into adulthood, um, people that have different schedules every single day. They don't, you know, different foods, different at workout schedules. I think Omnipod 5 might be a better overall system. A lot of consistency. They eat the same thing every day. Uh, low carb, uh, all of those types of people. I think Loop can probably achieve much better results without as much mental burden as we had. Yeah. I mean, this discussion has definitely inspired me to want to switch to Omnipod 5 at least for a month. Maybe I can get a month supply uh, just to test it out and see how that goes. I feel like it even may take longer than a month though to fully understand how it works and ultimately really also switching over my settings and getting those down. I definitely would work with my diabetes educator to figure all of that out. I'm sure she has a, a good amount of information there. Uh, I'll also, I mean, I'm going to call you up when that happens. We're definitely going <laughs> to, I'm going to need a yeah. session with you to help me do that transition. I think that that would be very helpful. And I think that's why diabetes educators exist, right? When people want to switch between systems um, and with support, I mean, it will be like less now intimidating. I, I'm seeing it less more recently than I did right when the system was first released. But one thing I think was happening, which is why a lot of people didn't like it, was in past pumps, when you're, you would go in and your CDE or your endo would set your pump settings, they always started conservatively. So they'd knock your basal down by 25%. Um, to start that pump. And it was because, you know, it's safe. It's a safety precaution. With Omnipod yeah. 5, if you start too conservatively, you can't increase it without just dosing, dosing, dosing. So if you start your basal, for instance, 25% lighter as a safety precaution, you're most likely going to have to be dosing that 25% every single hour to, to increase your TDI to where it thinks it needs to be. So as you're talking to your CDE, if you do try it, um, I would definitely discuss that in detail on where to start the basal. So we actually start, I just, Lily just did a restart. She had a time where um, due to, you know, field hockey games and all kinds of stuff, sort of her TDI got out of whack. And rather than take two weeks to get it back to normal, we just reset it and I re-entered the settings and she started and it was perfect day one. Her starting settings was 40% higher on her basal than what her calculated basal typically is. So normally Omnipod 5 runs it at around one unit per hour and we started, we did her restart at 1.4 per hour. So I say that to say it does a really, really good job at preventing lows if you start with slightly too high of settings, then if you start with too low of settings, it takes a long time to build that TDI back up. Okay, great information. I'm going to take that into my appointment. Um, John, thank you so much. This was great information. I think I got out 
a lot from this personally, and I and I hope that other people listening, whether they're loopers or people on Omnipod Five that have been thinking about going to Loop, it, it's a lot of good information for people to consider if they want to make the switch or not. I definitely want to have you on again just to talk about anything because I just enjoyed <laughs> talking to you. So uh, thanks yeah. a lot. This was awesome. Thanks for listening to today's episode. After this conversation, I feel inspired to try out Omnipod 5. So stay tuned for that journey. I'm working to get some pods and that system, and I'm going to have a ton of content coming out on that journey. On this podcast, I want to do some stuff. I want to review it on YouTube, and there's just going to be a lot of social stuff of like me vlogging and trying it out. And I think when the iPhone app releases, that it will be way more in line with what I'm experiencing now with having my phone be the only thing in my bag and not having to use a PDF and um, having that direct connection between my pump and ACGM will be awesome to like just be away from my phone. Uh, luckily, I also have some G6s in my diabetes backstock, so I'll be good there. New episodes of this podcast release every Monday, wherever you listen, and on YouTube every Monday. And I've got videos that drop on YouTube every Friday. I've also got a ton of videos always dropping on social media, uh, real quick ways for getting information. So check me out there. I've got links to everything in today's show notes. Until next week, I'm Justin, and I'll take you later.